Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil, joined as always by Terry in Minnesota with me and Bob in Virginia. We are three distinct voices bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into the conversation. We want you to join in the conversation. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leaving a message there. You may also email us at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening and share with one person. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house in Minnesota in the Midwest. But now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations will be a light for you as they are for us. Now, let us begin this week's conversation. Welcome to this episode of Strange Catholics. This week we'll have Bob's first cup of coffee. Our main topic is going to be talking about the seven last words or the seven last phrases of Christ as we get ever closer to Holy Week. Our saint this week is Saint Toribius of Mogrovejo. And for opening prayer, let us begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Enliven within us the fire of your Spirit. Lord God, we just ask you to really open us up to your presence, your words, so that we may speak your words. We may be truly open to how you are moving within and through each and every one of us. We lift up all of those that are listening to us now, that you continue to hold them in your arms and draw them ever closer to the great gift that you gave us in your Son, Jesus Christ, through our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're recording this on a Sunday evening. So usually we record on Thursdays, and we're just a few days late because of some other scheduling, scheduling conflicts for us. Um, so there's just a little bit of an overlap here. Uh, but a couple of things I wanted to bring up. The first thing is I went to Mass. I went to Mass yesterday, and I had yes, that sir. priest I talked about last Sunday. Oh, wonderful. Okay. And he went 17 minutes, and he and he spoke about nothing. And so just one more time to reiterate to folks and, and you know, any priest friends, Deacon friends that are listening, you know, homilies are about, are like target shooting. You want to put all your rounds within the inside of the circle. Okay. So all the rounds you're going to shoot, you don't want to shoot too many, but you want to make them count. You want them inside that circle in a close pat, a pattern. Okay. They're all related to each other, right? You don't want to have too many shots, but the shots that you have, they want to be able to be, you can draw a triangle between them for a three-shot pattern. They're very close to each other. That means they all are kind of mean, you know, they have a meaning. They're all part of a point. You know, uh, this priest, he he speaks like a shotgun blast. All kinds of little BBs that go everywhere, and they're all independent. They don't really link up to anything. So just once again, just a good way to shut people off at mass is just to have a bad homily and you guys know that because you guys are doing that on a regular basis and you take the temperature in the room and sometimes say wow that was great and sometimes like 
yeah, I don't know if that was as, you know, I could have maybe done a little bit better. You know, I mean, you, you guys know it better than I do. Um, Got to keep it out of the wood, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Keep it on target. So that, keep it on target. Yeah. And I, I would say for, for our fans out there, feel free to tell your priest or your deacon and, and after mass to say, I'm not so sure I got a point there. I, I wasn't sure, you know, they need to, they need to have that feedback loop. So they know that it's not getting where it needs to go. So Absolutely. that's the first, that's the first thing. But quickly, the second thing, um, the, the Atlanta shooting, horrible, horrible thing um, in Atlanta where the, the Asian folks were killed, mostly Asian folks. And, you know, I don't know if it's a hate crime or it's not a hate crime. It certainly looks like one. I'm not passing ju uh, judgment on whether it is or not. That's up to the, obviously, the law enforcement folks. Suspect, the alleged perpetrator of the crime, has said the reason he did it was because he was had a sex addiction. So I'm just here to say that most of those folks out there that we know, and we've talked about pornography on this uh, show, that pornography is a very, very potent, powerful, addictive deal that's just sinful, and it's, and it's just the devil's work, and it's tough to fight. But we're just here to say that most people who are addicted to that do not go out and just start shooting Asian, Asian people. Okay, they just don't. All right, so nobody needs to be afraid of anyone who has a pornography addiction. You should be praying for them and and, and helping them. And, and pray for the people in Atlanta, all the people there, and, and pray for the victims and the perpetrator too. Pray for him. You know, he's done some bad things and he needs God in his life as well. Okay. Third thing, which is really the main thing. Last week in Mass, I will tell you what spoke to me and I just wanted to, bring it up and, and pornography would fall into this too you know it was the second reading and uh it was the uh letter to the ephesians uh ephesians 5 8 through 14 where we say where we said brothers and sisters you were once in, you were once darkness but now you are light in the lord do you guys recall that reading Yes, you're talking about the fourth Sunday of Lent. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Not not that not today. Not it would have been last oh. week. Yeah. I and preached. and and I just thought once again what a good time to talk about how the difference between light and darkness and how the majority of our sinful behavior is done in darkness. It's done. It's not done out where we where people can see us. Right. And this is just a really good time during Lent to once again um, say, go to reconciliation, because that's when you bring all of that stuff that you're doing in the darkness. You go into the confessional in a one-on-one -on -one situation, and you're able to jettison that baggage and get absolution. Okay, that that is what that that is that one time for you to do that. You know, so. What I'm trying to say is to encourage people to do that, especially during Lent. You should be doing it all the time, but especially during Lent to do that. And I think that that reading really spoke to that and talking about, you know, most of our sins in the light are are menial. I mean, uh, you know, they're 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 just not that 
big of a deal. It's the sins in the darkness that are really the ones that we're the most guilty about. Um, and the ones that, you know, we feel the most shame about, those are the ones that we should bring for sure to the confessional. We should bring them all, but those are the ones for sure we should bring. So I just thought I would do that encouragement. That really spoke to me during mass last weekend. And so I wanted to bring that up and offer it to our listeners. Yeah, well Comment. said, Bob. Love that. And and what's cool is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 5, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Another way to translate it, it would be cannot comprehend it. So when we talk about the darkness not being able to comprehend the light, I think that speaks well to what you're speaking of for our second reading, where those things that we hide in the dark can't really comprehend the light, and they like to stay hidden and not be brought out into the light. And I think, too, you know, the other two points that you talked about, you know, we can see where there's this this light and this darkness uh, alive in our world and how they're really warring against each other. And so I think always, as you're saying, as we've said so many times, get to that sacrament of reconciliation, do a good examination of conscience and make sure you get your soul clean because that healing is needed, not just for ourselves, but for our entire world. We all need a good, clean soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more, Phil. And I will just add in this, and, and I actually tied in my homily, because I preached this last weekend at, um, in our area Catholic community, and I tied in a little bit of the thread of last week um, into this week in providing us that hope of God's love and mercy, and also God giving us the uh, exact roadmap uh, for what he expects of us. And uh in that, in those words, to kind of tie into what Bob was saying, talking about darkness and light, you know, I did mention in my homily that, um, you know, God tells us at the end of the gospel, for everyone who does wicked things, hates the light, it does not come toward the light, so that his works might be exposed. But whoever lives the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. And that kind of ties in with the young man who preferred the darkness to the light, preferred to be stuck in that darkness and not turn to God for hope and for consolation and for his mercy. And I, and I really pray that at some point he will recognize God's mercy and God's love and turn toward God and away from the darkness so that he can truly know that he is a precious child of God, just as we all are. Okay. Hey, that's the first shot. Hopefully it gets you going and raring to go for the main topic. And I am done. So we're going to talk about the seven last words Really, there are seven phrases that Christ utters from the cross. So we'll give the scripture and then we'll do talk a little bit about them. And there's a couple that to better understand them, I think it it would do well that we unpack it a little bit. But the first one, the first utterance or phrase or word, however you want to refer to it, is Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. 
you know, I think so often when we are being attacked for whatever we are being attacked for, it's so hard to immediately return with that forgiveness. Does not mean, as we've talked before, that we just don't even remember anymore, but really focus on that forgiveness. The second one is, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, that's what Christ gives to that repentant thief who recognizes and asks for God's mercy. Where the other one is reviling Christ and, you know, save yourself and us, right? All that's happening. The third one is, woman, behold your son. And then, son, behold your mother. That is when we, as part of Christ's body, are able to receive receive her as our mother and now queen. And we get to ask her to intercede for us. And this is where we get that universal motherhood that Mary has for all of us. So we can lean on her, ask her for help, ask her for guidance. Then we have the one that probably has the most confusion around it, but has a lot of depth and beauty to it. So we're going to unpack it a little bit. My God, my God, why have you abandoned or forsaken me? However you want to translate that. And what's beautiful about this is what Jesus Christ is quoting here, which would have been known to the people that would have heard it, is Psalm 22, which is not a short psalm by any means, but that that's the opening phrase of Psalm 22. Now, this does not mean that God has left him, right? That just God has disappeared. But what's, what's here is he's unpacking the psalm and helping those people call to mind. Maybe they can't remember word for word because it is a pretty long psalm, although they would have uh, recited it many times. But he's helping them to draw Psalm 22. So if you have a moment, read Psalm 22. It'll take maybe two minutes. All that aside. Here we have the psalm that is talking about the exact agony that the suffering servant would endure. And so God the Father didn't abandon his son, but rather his son's suffering really is what allowed Jesus Christ in his humanity to experience the sense of divine abandonment that all of us humans, we can feel in our times of need, our times... Uh, or when we're in sin, right? We feel like God is not there. As often as we feel that same kind of separation from God, we know that God is always right there. So Christ is uttering these words really to help punctuate the feeling that we have, but still bring us into the reality that God never abandoned us, no matter how bad things look. He's always ever present. So, you know, reflecting on, Christ, who died for our sins, the weight of our sins, and thus, in his humanity, feeling that abandonment, our weight would have been so heavy upon him, all the sins of the entire world. But Jesus Christ knew the fulfillment of that prophecy, that he would be vindicated. And so if you get to the end of Psalm 22, it's a much more triumphant ending, and it, it really shows how much this little line can just really expose the mystery and the beauty of God working in miraculous ways. It's There's a lot there. So I was always confused about this phrase, so I wanted to expand that one a little bit. The fifth utterance, phrase, or word is, I thirst. 
The sixth is it is finished. Accomplished or consummated, however you want to look at that finished can be translated those three ways. And then the last utterance. Father into your hands, I commend my spirit. And the reason why we have these seven last words and why they're so important, especially to meditate on for these last two weeks of Lent is to really dive more deeply into what Christ suffered for each and every one of us, how he was willing to take our sin on, suffer for us so that we might have a chance at eternal life, like we heard in the gospel on the fourth Sunday of Lent that beautiful message of hope that we've been given. And I think these seven last words can really help us open up to the wonder and the beauty of the passion, help us dive more in, intimately into what Christ uttered from the cross and what that can mean for our lives. Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen wrote a beautiful book called Victory Over Vice. I'd highly recommend it. It's a very quick read, and it takes those seven utterances pairing them with the seven deadly sins and how we can kind of overcome those deadly sins in our lives. No, thank you for unpacking that. Uh, beautiful, beautiful saying of Jesus Christ, because I've always looked at it as uh, his humanity and his desperation. And in those final moments of his life, he did f truly feel abandoned by God. So this is that's a new revelation to me, and I'll openly admit that here. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, well, it's not my wisdom. This is all borrowed slash stolen from somewhere or something else. But yes, it'll all be cited. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, and even to, uh, you know, to talk about the, you know, Jesus knew his purpose, even today's gospel yeah. Uh, from the from you know John twelve uh, twenty to thirty three, he talks about you know the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and later on, in that gospel reading, he does say, "I am troubled now, yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour, but it was for this purpose that I came to this hour." So Jesus knew. Yeah. That, you know, even before his agony in the garden, even before the Last Supper, he knew what he was about to endure. Yes, I think in those moments in, you know, in the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, it's, it certainly became maybe more clear or more focused or more real to him that he, you know, actually sweat droplets of blood. But I do believe you know, as witnessed there in the Gospel of John from today's readings, he did know exactly what was to come for him. So those are my thoughts. Bob, how about you? What have you got? You know, I love Fulton Sheen. I mean, he obviously was not without some controversy in his career. Um, but, you know, I've seen just so many, you know, uh, I've seen some videos on YouTube, but I've also listened to a lot of his radio broadcasts that are now available. And boy, that he could just well. And I, so I'm just going to provide links to the scripture resources and maybe a couple meditations that I found. I didn't want to 
expand on that here because I think, in my opinion, that takes personal prayer time. I don't think we would do it justice by trying to read these reflections that I found out. None of the things I read are from uh, Venerable Fulton J. Sheen. I was just mentioning this really great book he wrote about the vices related to the seven last words because it's it's pretty it's a very quick read and it's very powerful. So what I would recommend is I would recommend you read up on Fulton Sheen if you don't know who Fulton Sheen is and see, you know, who he was, what he did, even some of the controversial things to give you that complete right, you know, victory over vice. There's other things out there, but just try to listen to listen, watch some stuff on YouTube, listen to some of the radio stuff. There we go. Life of Christ. There, there's just a lot of things out there. So I can't really, Phil can add more to it than I can, but I mean, just go to the source of Fulton Sheen and, and get that information. So he really he seemed to get it. You know, I mean, you got a lot from him and some just some wonderful wisdom. So uh, I think he he certainly seems to be tracking in the right direction and all this type of stuff. So Archbishop Fulton Sheen was one who was a little bit ahead of his time in evangelization, where he took advantage of the media of television at the time that it was available and used that to speak to the people and used radio where nobody else at that time was really using those mediums to get the message out to the crowd. So I really respect and uh, admire him for his use of the medias, you know, kind of the same way we are using the media of podcasts to evangelize to our listeners. Fulton Sheen was using that kind of media to evangelize to his to his flock and uh, did a great job with it. So now that Terry has compared us to Fulton Sheen. Yes. Um, yeah, we're nowhere near that. We better, <laughs> Not even close. We better take a break. And uh, when we're back, Terry's going to compare himself to some great saint. So we'll be back right after this. We're back. Terry, what's the name of the saint again? St. Trivius of Mogrovejo. All right, give it to us. All right, St. Trivius. His feast day is March the 23rd, patron saint of Native Peoples' Rights. Latin American, Latin American bishops, Lima, Peru, and the actual country of Peru. Together with Rose of Lima, Terribius is the first known saint of the New World, serving the Lord in Peru, South America, for over 26 years. Saint Terribius was the second son to the Lord of Mogrovejo, and born in the kingdom of Leon, on the 16th of November in 1538. From his infancy, he discovered a strong inclination to piety, and his childhood, it was a delight. At times, it was even a great time of recreation. He erected and adorned altars, and he also desired to serve the poor. He trembled at the very shadow of sin. One day, a poor peddler woman because she had lost something out of her pack he most movingly entreated and exhorted 
her that she would not offend God by passion, and in order to appease her, gave her the value of her loss, which he had begged of his mother for that purpose. He was very devout to the Blessed Virgin, and every day her office and rosary, and fasted every Saturday in her honor. While at school, he usually gave part of his slender dinner to the poor and was so much addicted to fasting that his superiors were obliged by strict commands to compel him to moderate his self-denial. He went on to study law at the University of Salamanca and eventually became a law professor there. Eventually, he would serve as a judge for five years in the territory of Granada at the time of the Spanish Inquisition. His judicial wisdom and diligence drew the attention of King Philip II, who wanted Terribius, who was still a layman, to be consecrated as a missionary archbishop for the Spanish colony of Peru. The king felt that he was the one person with the strength of character and holiness of spirit to heal the scandals that had infected that area. Terribius was thunderstruck at this unexpected news and had no sooner received the message, but then he cast himself on the ground at the foot of his crucifix, praying with many tears that God would deliver him from so heavy a burden, which he thought absolutely above his strength. He wrote the most urgent letters to the king's council in which he pleaded his incapacity and other impediments and laid great stress on the canons, which forbade laymen to be promoted to such dignities in the church. Being compelled by his obedience to acquiesce, he at length testified his submission by falling on his knees and kissing the ground. It was a critical situation that Terribius faced when he rode into Lima, Peru in 1581. He was shocked at what he found. Priests were not caring for their people. The poor were being neglected. Rich Spanish landowners had, had enslaved many of the native people of Peru and treated them cruelly. Terribius saw that there was much work to be done. Archbishop Terribius was extraordinarily dedicated to his episcopal responsibilities. He exhausted himself on year-long visits to the parishes of his vast territory, which included present-day Peru and beyond. His diocese extended 130 leagues along the coast, comprising three cities and many towns and villages with innumerable cottages scattered over two ridges of the mountains of the Andes, esteemed the highest and most rugged in the whole world. Sometimes he even rode a mule from place to place, but most, mostly he traveled on foot. His journey through the diocese took him seven long years. His journeys were dangerous because he went alone through areas plagued by wild animals and a variety of diseases. 
Sometimes he went two or three days without food or a bed. The condition of the native people horrified Terribius. Thousands of baptized people had little idea of Christianity because there was there were no catechisms or Bibles in their language and no priests for their missions. He acquainted himself with the priest and people under his care. He convoked synods, large church gatherings, to standardize sacramental, pastoral, and liturgical practices. He produced an important trilingual catechism in Spanish and two native dialects, learned to preach in these indigenous dialects himself, and encouraged his priests to be able to hear confessions and preach in them as well. He founded schools, churches, hospitals, and the first seminary in the New World. To assist his pastoral work among the Indians, he also mastered several Indian dialects. Terribius ultimately managed to make three visitations of his diocese under rugged and dangerous conditions, which occupied about half of his 25 years of, as archbishop in Lima. He united the Peruvian church at an administrative level by holding several councils of its clergy, but was also known to spend days traveling to reach a single individual with the message of Christ. Archbishop Trivius's life also providently intersected with the lives of other saints active in Peru at the same time, including Martin de Pours, Francisco Solano, and Isabel Flores de Olivia, whom Trivius gave the name Rose when he confirmed her. She would, was later canonized as St. Rose of Lima, the first saint born in the New World. After exhausting himself through a total dedication to his responsibilities, St. Tribius fell ill on the road and died at age 67 on May 23, 1606, in a small town far from his home. His 24 years as archbishop were a trial of strength. He had baptized and confirmed half a million souls, had trekked thousands of miles on narrow paths made for goats, had never neglected to say Mass, and did not accept any gifts in return for what he gave. He was beatified on July 2nd, 1679, by Pope Innocent XI, and was canonized on December 10th, 1726, by Pope Benedict VIII. And that, gentlemen, is St. Terribius. St. Terribius of Mogadavius. Pray for us. For us, yeah, just want to make sure it went okay. <laughs> One thing I thought was pretty cool about this saint, I don't recall Keep if you mentioned it. Keep it all in there, okay. I will, as much, yeah, it's all gonna be in there. So, the one thing I thought was pretty cool is that he was so schooled in canon law, he was trying to bring the canon laws that said he was not a viable candidate to be the archbishop, and every argument he brought forth they said nope see this this is how this is how this is how so you know he just had to submit in humility and look at the amazing work he did so i think it's wow. a pretty amazing saint absolutely yeah. when god calls us sometimes it's overwhelming 
<laughs> we just try to find the really the the most difficult ones for Terry to put together. <laughs> we really do. This one was probably on the top. This one I think takes the cake. I think we I think I think we've definitely increased his vocabulary. Uh, right up there with the baby and the and the baptism. Yes. Yep. That's an inside yep. joke. They're not gonna get that. That's not gonna work. That's gonna have to get cut. That makes no sense. Well don't you don't have to cut that. How are they gonna know what that means? I they don't have to know. You make it sound like it's like there's this huge expansive audience and they're all gonna wonder. Hey, maybe they'll actually folks will send us a comment that says, What are you talking about? At least we'll get a comment. Please do, and then we can release the video. <laughs> it's the greatest video on the face of the earth. It's perfect. I still have it. Is Phil still constantly it? is making mistakes, and that's really why I'm laughing. No, that's not true, but that's what I'm going to stick with because it makes yeah. me look better. Yeah, there we go. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so. What I find interesting about this saint is that he can be the patron saint of Peru and the patron saint of Lima, even though Lima's in Peru. So why would we have to do both? He should just be Peru by itself, which I found confusing. You know what I'm saying? Well, he's the patron saint of the city of Lima. Right. And then and then the entire of, country. Of, okay, well. Lima's part of Peru. Wouldn't we include them as part of Peru? Peru's not really shaped this way, but it's like long and skinny, and it's in South America, right next to Ecuador. Thank you for that <laughs> geographical highlight. <laughs> Our listeners will feel so much more informed now that they've Between Chile, Chile, Argentina, and Ecuador. I think... Right isn't it? It's in between the two, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Unless, unless I got Ecuador wrong there. Maybe. We'll see. I'm sure we'll get, hey, send me a card or a letter or a self-addressed stamped envelope. And, <laughs> and, and none of those things. Be whether I'm wrong, we're Lima and we're Peru and Ecuador. Or, okay, I digress. Email. Send or us just email. send an email. Yeah. Yeah. Please. There we go. Okay, hey, so thanks for joining us today. The, you know, we kind of devolved here at the end, but part of that's because of how just really outstanding Terry's performance was for the same spotlight. Amen, amen. So we blame it on him. Commendable. Um, so please rate us, please rate us five, you know, because I know, at least from my experience, most people that listen to our podcast in Ecuador and in Peru always rate us five. So if you're other parts of Latin America should rate us five, and then, you know, that should proliferate across the whole globe. So please uh, rate us five. More people will find out about our podcast. Uh, give it to your friends, to your family for their birthday, for early Christmas gift, early Easter gift. How about this? Hey, for Easter, listen to this great podcast and so on. We would really love for you to do that so we can expand our, broaden our base. Please leave us a comment. You know, whether it's some sort of Latin American ge geographical comment for me or whether it's, you know, how you love the way Terry 
pronounces things during Safe Spotlight or whatever it is, please leave us that comment, um, especially a prayer attention, because we'd love to pray with you and for you. And and you can leave those comments. You can leave them on the podcast platform, but probably a better place to leave those comments is at? StrangeCatholicsPod at gmail.com. You can also reach us at anchor.fm forward slash strangecatholics and leave us a voice message. Now let's go to closing prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glorious and gracious God, thank you once again for this wonderful opportunity this opportunity to share this time, this time with our podcast family, with my two brothers in Christ, and with you, with you, Lord, you being here present and flowing through us as we're discussing these wonderful issues of the day. As we go forward today, we ask a few prayer intentions. For those who are pregnant, trying to become pregnant, please, God, give them the guidance they need from life, for life, from birth to natural death. God, please help reduce abortions. Help reduce abortions in the world. Help promote life. And for those who are getting close to dying, please be with those who are coming near to you and with their families and comfort them. For all babies, we just talked about pregnant and those being of life, all babies, especially Abby's and Jake's baby. God, just watch over all those little ones. They're so special and so important in our future. Please be with them and their families. For the continued health of Austin, if Austin has any health issues, please, God, help the doctors find what those issues are and help to solve those and be with Austin's family. For all world leaders, that they work together to find peace and continue peace in this world. For all marriages, troubled or not, please just be with those couples, those couples that have that that bond, that bond that is you, that third leg of the stool that's with them. Just, just be with them and help them get through all their trials and tribulations. And then most recently, Lord, the, the tragic things that have happened in Atlanta, you know, just be with those people in Atlanta and those who are the victims and in, in their families and, and and even the even the perpetrator and the perpetrator or the alleged perpetrator perpetrator's family. Just just be with them because they need God. They need you as well. We ask all these things through your son, Lord Jesus Christ. Through your son, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Father and Son Amen. and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. I just Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Getting closer to Holy Week. We're going to have another great podcast for you next week. And until then, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation, and it helps you dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you'd like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics to leave a voice message, or you may also send us an email at strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. Links will be in the description. Please share this podcast and this episode with at least one person. This will help get the word out and get more people to join into the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to us. This really helps the podcast get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers and is longing to offer each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day, and may God bless you.